0: Good morning. Welcome to the We Are Driven podcast, where we equip you with the tools to succeed in your pursuit of excellence in business, fitness, and cars. This is episode sixty-two. My name is Arun Kumar, and I am the driver. And I'm here with my co-host Dan Larue. How are you doing, Dan?
1: Good. How are you doing, Arun? Good. Also, good. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good night. Wherever good our morning. listeners are everybody, today,
0: everybody listens to this first thing in the morning. At like- well, what? Are,
1: What if we have someone in Europe that's just, you know, popping in, you know, at night as we release it?
0: Eight hours from Pacific time. 4 a.m. is noon. (laughs) That's annoying. All right. Yeah. Anyways.
1: I'm I'm just being funny.
0: (laughs) We're off to a great start. If you like what you hear on this podcast, I have a reminder for you. If you share this show with one person, then we have one more driven individual in the world making the world a better place. And it is your obligation, you, the listener, who enjoys listening to this podcast, to share the show and also leave us a review if you are so obliged. But the bigger this community gets, the better we get. So I encourage you all, please keep sharing the show with your friends, your family, anybody you think needs to be more driven with that Dan do you have a fun fact for us today
1: well um kind of I I suppose um the UAW is on strike so what we talked about last week happened um they didn't uh they didn't find uh an agreement and uh the the fun fact that's coming out of this it's not super fun is that the big three are now uh, just starting to lay people off, just kind of like uh, Arun and I thought that they might, that they would just move employment elsewhere where people were willing to work. So, uh, you know, that's interesting to me at least because it's going to hurt car sales. But, uh, yeah.
0: I think we we talked about this a bit over text uh, and we won't get too deep into it because there are plenty of other podcasts and other forms of social media out there covering this. But there could be a conspiracy in here because this seems <laughs> to be a very nicely engineered attempt to continue to harm the American economy by basically destroying all of the uh, national manufacturing base that we have left. So... Mm-hmm although there are other companies re-onshoring manufacturing. Here we have UAW going on strike and basically deleting the automotive manufacturing industry from the U.S., apart from Tesla. And fortunately, I was yesterday driving to go pick up some supplies for the shop, and I drove right past Tesla's headquarters. And at the very least, I had faith in the fact that they have this big American flag and this big California flag and then Mm -hmm. a big Tesla flag, all flying high above the factory. And I was on this freeway overpass that overlooks the factory and it's this really cool view. And it did give me this sense of hope, even if it's not the type of cars I want, it is still doing something for the economy here and having interviewed some Tesla technicians that do work in R&D or in uh, final assembly and QC and all those sort of processes that happen within that factory that's literally 10 minutes away from my shop it's interesting to hear about their experience and basically it's that they work really hard but they take really good care of you but you're going to work hard your your minimum shift is (laughs) (laughs) 512
1: yeah that's those are some work hours for sure
0: But, you know, I think that that is is what we need to compete with the rest of the world because, you know, for however woke we want to be, I saw a marked difference in productivity between the U.S. and the U.K. when I went there. And the U.K. being even further down the European spectrum, obviously, than the U.S., they're working seven hours a day not working very hard you want to go get tea for the second time this afternoon you know it is it really is that and you could tell that productivity was lower Mm -hmm. and then you had the americans that were there they were just crushing everybody like we ran circles around the british right (laughs) and so you know that's my shots fired for the day on that yeah
1: it's crazy but on a on a more uh more fun fact you know a little bit of happier note and <laughs> and uh this still is auto related if you're traveling to uh Vegas anytime from now until formula one uh there's definitely they're starting to close off some sidewalks they've cut off some trees like totally cut down like huge palm trees and stuff so that the cars don't kill themselves on them hmm. uh but yeah no they're uh they're full bore they're uh they're getting close to being done with with the uh, race preparations and I'm I'll be there 2 weeks prior to F1 and uh I am interested to see what the strip looks like with nothing there ready for grandstands to go in so that's going to be really funny <laughs> it's going to be a cool race <laughs> but yeah like yeah. like if you if, if you've ever been to Vegas like you'll you'll know that there are um bridges that go over some of the streets and they have these big glass panels They've like started covering them up with like paper and stuff so people just can't hang out up there and watch.
0: How do you know this? Have you have you been to Vegas recently?
1: No, I haven't. I've just been uh seeing some of the the videos of like the influencers that walk around the strip and talk about like casinos and stuff. They've been talking about all the changes <laughs> with F1.
0: All right. Interesting. Interesting news source on this one.
1: Yeah. You know. They they review Vegas stuff and That's just it's a hot topic right now because, like, they're changing everything. Like even the Bellagio fountains, they've had divers in there setting up like the the feet for the
0: grandstands and stuff. There are gonna be grandstands in the Bellagio fountains. Uh,
1: The supports, maybe I I don't know. I'm interested to see what it looks like. Do you get
0: fountained if you are in those seats?
1: I'd be willing to bet they don't turn them on.
0: That would be (laughs) hilarious if somebody turned them on, right? Anyways, we're way off topic. This is a show about the pursuit of excellence. So let's talk about the 1996 Isuzu Elf. <laughs> okay. So Dan, your your auction, no longer sponsored, your auction that I have chosen for you to guess the hammer price on is the 1996 Isuzu Elf Camper.
1: You know... I was going to be nice and not pick what I wanted to pick, but now I'm thinking I'm going to. This thing is cool as hell.
0: Isn't it? (laughs) Oh my God. So for our listeners, this is a Japanese import right-hand drive, two-wheel drive, small box truck, essentially. It has a 3.1 liter four-cylinder diesel, 15-inch wheels, it has sixty-seven thousand miles, automatic, but on the back and on the paint scheme, this is the most '90s little RV you've ever 100%. seen. A hundred percent, it's uh, insane.
1: If if you were a millennial hipster that wanted to do like their cross-country trip, you know, overlanding crap, this is how you do it in style, right oh, yeah. here, like. <laughs> This is cool as hell.
0: So, are you still mad?
1: Yeah, I'm still mad because I don't, I don't, <laughs> <laughs> with an hour to go, I don't know if it makes it past where it is, but I'm just going to throw out 20 grand.
0: All right, 20 grand. <laughs> <laughs> that thing is sweet. So, I showed this to my employees earlier this week and we guessed 30 grand.
1: I would guess 30 grand if it wasn't an hour left. But with it, I mean, is there a reserve on No reserve, too? No reserve.
0: Wow. But this thing is epic. And yeah. somebody, no matter what it sells for, they're getting a deal. If you go through all the detailed photos on this thing, it's been, like, recently redone. It is pretty cool inside. Really modern, really fresh, like, a lot of daylight, wood paneling throughout the entire interior. It's, like, in. it's a nice little yeah. unit. Yeah. I wouldn't having, own it because I I want more. than I wouldn't use it. One hundred thirty but... horsepower. <laughs> <laughs> but I oh, think yeah. I think this is going to pick up in activity, and you know I, nobody. Asked I hope me it for, does. Nobody asked me for my opinion on this one, but I'm going to guess more than twenty. I'm going. <laughs> I'm going above
1: you. That's fine. That's fine. I, I I think it's freaking cool though. That is. I agree. That is a wild car, <laughs> van. <laughs> Truck, camper whatever whatever it's it is basically like
0: a mini box truck with yeah, the rv I, on the i back. bet
1: it's expensive to fix though
0: because there's no parts for it yeah there's got to be yeah. no parts for it i don't um, know they make a zuzu box trucks over here true this one's just a little extra fancy
1: Gosh, i just don't know if i don't want to take that on a trail it's so cool anyway anyway anyway
0: now that we've fanboyed over that. What do you got? <laughs> well, I w-
1: I was going to be nice.
0: <laughs> you can uh, still be nice. That's fine.
1: Luckily for you, I can't find the thing that I was going to give. Oh, there it is. 1951 Aww. Ford 8N tractor. No, I'm just <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> 2012 Mercedes-Benz E63 AMG Wagon P30 performance package.
0: Okay, so interestingly, I kind of know about these.
1: Yeah, 43,000 miles, twin turbocharged, five and a half liter V8. It is silver in color, like most Mercedes are. And it is a quite beautiful wagon. A uh, A little less than a day to go, 35 grand is on the current bid.
0: Hmm. Just uh just browsing the listing here. So, what I'm seeing, what I'm seeing is that there are a lot of these that go through this particular auction platform of choice. And the price range on them is very wide. Like very uh, wide.
1: Yeah, I, <laughs> I could see why that would be too.
0: Well, it, but it's it doesn't seem to be based on mileage because they're all similar mileage
1: it's got to be package based like whatever yeah this one has an lsd
0: but i don't know if all of them have an lsd it has adaptive suspension panoramic sunroof which i think they all had it has invo infotainment um and it's silver which yeah like you said every mercedes black
1: or silver or red of some sort
0: right so like, eh.
1: at least from this era of Mercedes, they're all pretty limited in color choice.
0: I'm I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with forty five.
1: Forty five, okay.
0: Forty five seems like a safe bet on that.
1: I could see it. I can I can actually see it. You I, know I honestly would expect fifty out of you know something like this, but
0: is my guess last week on the Viper was forty five as well.
1: and it went for 44 46 46 yeah
0: yeah we both killed it last week because the xlr (laughs) did not meet reserve but your guess was nineteen thousand five hundred, and it got bid to 19
1: yeah it was close god i i I thought about giving you a 2004 thunderbird for that for today but but you (laughs) didn't you didn't
0: think about giving me the elf
1: (laughs) no i never even saw it that thing is gorgeous. <laughs> I scrolled right by it, not even thinking about it.
0: A nineteen? Is there actually a nineteen fifty one tractor? Yeah. Top right now? Oh
1: yeah. Tractor. Yeah, it's it's uh, it would have been nifty. There's also some. There's like a nineteen ninety Honda VTR two fifty with like the, like you know the classic like purple and teal squiggles that they put on cups and stuff. Same sort of graphic on it. I'm like, this thing is cool. I was into riding bikes.
0: Yeah, if I knew anything about it, it'd probably be cool.
1: But yeah, there there is a tractor.
0: This tractor's insane. I <laughs> right. It's, it's it's the most simple piece of machinery I've ever seen. Right. And if if the listeners can hear the contractors working in the background here, I apologize.
1: It's you know, it's just a little bit of audio texture. <laughs> <laughs> That's Sorry. just how it goes. We started off great, it's, you know, talking about la your your computer lagging, you know. It's, it's yeah, okay. uh,
0: apparently in one of our earliest episodes, I didn't edit something out that I should have. It along those same lines, where oh. we were talking about, you know, we were getting meta on the podcast, which we're doing right now. But <laughs> I'm going to leave this in, but I probably won't leave in the earlier lagging issue. Anyways, so now that we have have lightened the mood for ourselves. Dan, let's talk about some shit. <laughs>
1: oh, here we go. So
0: so I have been getting beaten up lately by mistakes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely destroyed. And including this morning, like we're recording this at 11.30 a.m. my time. And this morning I have made multiple mistakes, big mistakes, thousands of dollars worth of mistakes. Oh. And I'm not happy about it. I am not happy about it. But that's what I love about the fact that we are really capturing the the process for both of us as we're going through our lives. And, you know, that's the case of any longer lived podcast is that you do have that sort of evolution over time. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it's just special because we're, we're young and we're in that stage where we're still making plenty of mistakes.
1: <laughs>
0: uh, every day. <laughs> so with that, I thought it would be good to cover the mindset that you need to have in order to be successful when it comes to handling those mistakes. Because it is inevitable. It's inevitable that you run into mistakes in your life. And you are never going to be perfect no matter how much you strive to be perfect in your life. And so it's best that you come prepared to your days with a mindset to handle the mistakes and the shit that gets flung in your face on a daily basis to succeed and to survive really, and to continue to persevere and adapt. And so that's what I have talked about a lot here. And we've, we've, addressed podcasts very similar to this in the past where we've talked about staying driven through the hard times we've talked about persistence and adaptability we've talked about how to handle bad things happening but this is specifically about your mistakes and how to bounce back from them
1: yeah and, and and you know you you're speaking about being driven and i saw a uh a snippet from your man, Mister Frasella, this morning about driven people, and you know, ninety yeah. percent of the time they're in the shit, <laughs> and yeah. you know, two percent of the time they actually win. And I don't remember what the other eight percent was, but I was like, oh, this is this is what a rune pulls from a lot of the time. In in what you're talking about is the ninety percent of the shit,
0: <laughs> right? And so, you know, let me tell you about what happened to me this morning. I have had to listen to how I'm about to describe this. I have had two opportunities this morning to make things right with customers so that they can trust us and that they will come back to us for future work. I screwed up two cars today. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, that's part of it. You screw up sometimes. So mm-hmm. I have I have made two fairly large mistakes today in setting in improper expectations for one and another was improperly repaired car. Uh, in, and in both cases, I have to shoulder the responsibility of delivering bad news to a customer and then working to make things right. So what does that look like? That looks like taking it on the freaking chin to start with and owning what you did. Mm-hmm. So step one with any mistake is honesty. And for some reason, this is the hardest part to get through for a lot of people. We're very good at at making excuses. We're very good at pointing the finger. We're very good at at smoothing over the mistake that we made because we don't want to appear incompetent. The problem is there are always going to be periods of incompetence. Yep. There are always going to be things that you're not perfect with because as we've already acknowledged, we're never going to be perfect and mistakes are guaranteed. So with that in mind, do you believe that everybody else out there is perfect? Because I certainly don't. No. And so when somebody comes to me and admits their mistake, do you really think that you're going to chew them out just for their mistake? No. Let me tell you what happened to me today. I admitted my mistake and then I immediately went into the solution. And I made it clear that no matter what, we're going to make things right. No matter what, you will not feel the pain of my mistake because I can clean this up. Mm -hmm. I can make this better. And if you go into your honesty and your delivery of that bad news with this level of confidence that you can solve the problem, you're never actually going to have any problems. Because you've been so proactive that any mistake that you're about to admit to, you've already solved.
1: Yep. And that's uh that's like one of my things I've done with like spotlights for like uh for like SEMA and stuff. They ask for, you know, what what's your best piece of advice that's ever been given to you? And mine is always be proactive, not reactive. You know, always try yeah. and stay ahead if you see the problem, you know, be ahead of it.
0: Yeah. And so in this case, it actually makes me really happy to be in a situation where I can solve those problems. Mm -hmm. Because whatever the sticking point is for somebody, whether it's just straight up like we messed up or whether it's expectations weren't clear or communication wasn't good enough or, you know, something else is upsetting the person. It's all solvable. Mm-hmm. Conflict resolution is not so difficult that it's always going to leave a bad taste in your mouth. There's not there's no like guarantee of serious pain. I went into that resolution like smiling and laughing. <laughs> and the customer, you know, I had to acknowledge the fact that I might have been a little too happy to solve their problem for them. Right. But the fact that I can go out of my way to now essentially deliver a car to a customer that has been delivered late mm-hmm. and they're in my loaner car. That is excellent. And I have the opportunity to restore their faith in me. Will I? I don't know, but I can at least do right by them. Yep, guarantee... Time will
1: only tell with that one.
0: Yeah, time will tell. The the guy was saying, you know, I got some other cars, but now I'm not so sure. I don't want them to get stuck here. You know, the previous ownership always made sure our cars were done on time. Mm-hmm. So.
1: You know, it's just a little hiccup.
0: It's a little hiccup. Just Absolutely. A little, just a little hiccup. So what do you do after that? Let's say you've made the mistake. You've taken it on the chin. You've resolved the situation in the immediate term, you've righted the wrongs from whoever, whoever you've harmed. What happens then? What happens after that? You now, like technically you're in the clear, right? You've solved the problem.
1: Mm-hmm. Well,
0: no, no, Dan. No, <laughs> I'm not done. <laughs> okay. So you've resolved the situation. Everything is great, right? No. So nope. here's where you have to go from there. You have to do your post-mortem analysis. You made a mistake. It sucked for everybody. Do you want to make it again? No, I don't care how you solved it, but however you solved it probably hurt as well. So you don't want to make that mistake again. So what are you going to do differently next time? There's a lot of things that land into this category. I'm not going to be able to come up with them all for you right now. (laughs) But you have to be proactive about putting a policy in place, putting a procedure in place, changing the way the manual reads so that people understand how things need to be done differently going forwards. Mm -hmm. This is a huge component of our business. If you make mistakes, you have to make sure you're getting better from it. You have to persevere and you have to adapt. You do not get to the other side of the mistake and solve the problem. That's the perseverance. After that, you have to adapt. You have to learn. You have to grow. And so how do you do that? You have to look back with detail on the mistake. You have to relive it basically and say, all right, we messed up here. We messed up here. We messed up here. You got to use this word instead of this word. You have to change the way in which expectations are set with customers. You have to change the way we do our pricing. There's a lot of things we have to change in order to get it right. And what happens once we get it right? Once we get it right, now you're excellent. Your pursuit of excellence and business fitness and cars comes to fruition and you find a new level because we're always raising standards. Look at all these keywords I'm throwing in. <laughs> if you continuously adapt you are going to grow you are going to get better you are going to become excellent and even then there are higher and higher levels that you can go to so that's what this comes down to a mistake is the only way you actually get to the road to success and once you're on that road it's the only way to climb up the ladder on that road there are there's ways to ride like a gentle slope up a hill but you're not going to become excellent until you solve every single one of these problems that comes up and that mistake doesn't happen anymore.
1: Yep. Yeah. Cause there's, there's one that I had made when I was doing some shop advising for techs that still haunts me to this day. Ooh. Like I, it, it's just something I'll never forget and what I learned from it is huge. You know, it, and everyone, if you'd like me to tell a story now, I can, or if you want me to wait. No, um, go for it. Uh, so I was working in this shop, and this is when I had the Mustang. And I had been winning some races, and uh, somebody that uh, had got to know me through, through the races and whatnot uh, reached out and said, hey, you know, I want to do the same suspension setup as you. Like, okay, like, here's the list of things that I have. This is what I can order you. This is what you'll have to bring to me. And, uh, he lived out of town, like, a couple hours away. And, uh, he got everything together and brought it in for his appointment. And, uh, we start working on it. And, meanwhile, my shop did this exact same work on my car already. So, like, we've done one of these already. Mine was the guinea pig. And, uh... There's three major bushings on the lower, or the on the rear lower control arm of a S550 Mustang. You have your toe knuckle, your lower control arm bushing, and then the the one that connects into your sub subframe cradle. And we were only replacing two of them: the toe knuckle and the lower control arm bushing. Hmm. And uh, my t- and like I was explaining all this with the tech, you know, trying to you know, guide him through it all. He'd done mine. I was just reminding him of what we did on mine. Cause when we did mine, I was standing there and, uh, he took out the bushing on the, uh, on the very inside. So like where the subframe is. And while he was doing, it, he torched the bushing. I'm like, Oh God. So like we put it all together and I mean, you could hear it clunking bad. In the rear end. I knew what it was. I'm like, well, it looks like we have to get him a new one. And meanwhile, he's out of town. Like, he he came from out of town for this. Like, he can't drive this home. And uh, come to find out that uh, I was going to make, like, $800 in labor. Like, raw labor. You can't buy just the bushing for that lower control arm. You have to buy a brand new lower control arm that already has it in it. And it was twelve hundred bucks at the oh. time, so I ate it, and we Good. tried to we tried to remedy it. We tried to you know try and fix the bushing, but I mean it was so melted. I, I took it to to my guy who does my alignments, and he even says something about it. I'm like, I know, I and, and like so it ended up being he had to stay in Omaha for two extra days until we fixed it, and so not only do we have to pay for the the control arm get to pay for his hotel
0: <laughs> oh yeah
1: so, so like in it, 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 like <laughs> and it haunts me it, it haunts me to this day because like i didn't thoroughly explain the job to my tech and there might have been better ways to do it uh, maybe i should have taken a paint marker and put an x on the ones that said don't
0: remove <laughs>
1: um you know explain how the bolts go into the cradle bushings better. Cause we had issues with that too. It, you know, it just, it ended up being a nightmare job that, that just became a ball of frustration for everybody. And we never did one again after that. And, and mm-hmm. which was sad because it, it was, it was an easy, good money job. So for me, the lessons I learned was be very thorough in explaining, you know, explaining the job to your subordinates um, otherwise you're going to spend a lot of extra time and a lot of extra money on something that really
0: didn't need it. So, yeah. So I'll go into detail with my story here. We had a customer who we recommended they replaced their transmission and they called us after about a week after we recommended the transmission and they said, Hey, you know, this is a daily driver, we need it to work, we need it often. And it was the, it was one of the partners in the relationships car. Okay, so that person can work from home for the next three days from this coming Monday to the following, to that that Wednesday. And can you replace our transmission in that time? Book time is nine hours. So, absolutely, we can replace your transmission in three days. Book time is nine hours. This should be easy. Yep. Book time lies. (laughs) Always, right? (laughs) And we had to drop the front subframe. Oh. Take out the steering shaft. It was a total disaster.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: And at... Five o'clock on Wednesday, they come rolling in, and the car is clearly not done. Mm-hmm. So we put them in a loaner car and tell them, come back at 9.30 tomorrow. They come back at 9.30 the f- today. <laughs>
1: and it's not done, Still huh? on the lift. Yep.
0: <laughs> so they're still in the loaner car. And they're getting a discount and I have to deliver their car to them. 25 miles away tonight at 7 PM.
1: Yeah. Is it going to be done?
0: Well, it's still on the lift. <laughs> it's so, so still in the air. <laughs> I don't know. But the point is multiple mistakes in there. Book time was low. You know that that's one that's just really hard to, to get right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, quoting big jobs is extremely time consuming already when the customer may or may not do it. That's always really tough. Right. If, uh, if you find yourself quoting a job and it's not, you know, got an extra thousand dollars plus a buffer for all the extra gaskets and hose clamps and hoses that you didn't know you needed again, this is, this is where you budget that in and then when it comes to the time just do everything in your power to make sure it gets done in that time period if you're if you if you need to sell the job with a guarantee of delivery but the better option is you just don't guarantee it at all
1: yeah it's it's always better to under promise and over deliver than over promise and under
0: absolutely yeah Absolutely. And so, yeah, this one hurt. But yeah. I was able, I had the opportunity to make it right with the customer. And I'm in the process of doing that now. Will they uh, Will they come back? I don't know. But that's how it's going to be on this job. How old was this car? 2014? Dang. Yeah. That's crazy. It, it needed it. It needed it badly. Yeah, well...
1: <laughs> It's a, was it? You said a CVT?
0: That's a different car.
1: Oh, a different car. My bad. Oh, my bad. I just poked the bear. That's (laughs) another
0: mistake that we're not going to talk anymore about. (laughs) But, you know, the whole point is it's part of it. This is part of the shit. Mm -hmm. I'll take it on the chin and I will make it right with the customer. And then I will do a post mortem analysis. We'll figure out how we can avoid this thing happening again in the future because this is not the first time this is legitimately like the fourth time in two weeks that this mm-hmm. has happened and so it needs to stop that that we're over promising
1: yeah and that's so... that's tough <laughs> I, and and i've been in that same position when i was in the shop like Yeah. you you quote a six inch lift kit to be done in two days and Day three rolls around, day four rolls around. And you're going, what the hell did I get myself into?
0: And and the shop is losing at that point too. Oh, 100 percent. Which is the painful part of it.
1: Yeah, you, you're you're losing money. You know, you, you got something stuck on a lift that you know you could be using for something else. It's yeah, it's yeah.
0: It's, but but so here's the thing: is is part of what is so important about what we're doing here, driven auto care at least, is that I want customers to be aware of the complexities of working on cars and we may be the experts and we are we have experience we have the right tools we have the right data but the data is wrong we may not have the right specialty tool and frankly cars are really hard
1: yeah especially the newer stuff and yeah reading a book time of nine hours like yeah i mean if that was me in that position i would have coded that too for for a transmission that, that doesn't to be honest, it seems a little long, but I guess you don't know that until you do it.
0: Right. So do you have really anything else to talk about on this one? I think the process for mistakes is pretty straightforward Mm -hmm. and this is a bit of commiseration, but it's also just a reminder to all of us that, you know, it's so easy to point the finger. It's so easy to say that it was somebody else's fault, but It's a
1: hundred percent. And I dealt with that during our company's transition. You know, we, we were tracking our inventory via spreadsheets because the corporate one was, was awful. We knew we were transitioning and, you know, the data came back. It wasn't right. And it was because the equations weren't right on the spreadsheet. Mm -hmm. It's somebody other than me that built it. And it was me that, that went straight to blaming that person and what I should have had been doing five months into making these spreadsheets, I should have been checking the actual <laughs> data. Like think like I was just like, Oh, it's working. Like everything looks good. It's working. Like, and it wasn't like there, there was just some underlying equations that didn't come out the, the way they were supposed to. And there nobody, is, nobody saw it.
0: There is. Yeah, so this <laughs> I'll tell a story and then go back to the the message. When I worked at PwC, you know, we were dealing with multi-million dollar, you know, nine ten figure companies and beyond. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of my clients had built an extremely complex Excel model, extremely complex, like dozens of tabs, and it would spit out a number that needed to go onto their financial statements. Mm-hmm. In one year, there was one cell on one tab in one column of this Excel model that had a negative sign instead of a positive sign. Oh. And it was a completely honest mistake. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it was it was something that we had to stare at it for probably an hour just to determine whether it should be a positive or a negative. Mm-hmm. And we determined it was wrong. And it ended up being something we had to put in the company's audit opinion. So this is a big public company. And in their audit opinion, we had to put that they had a material weakness in their internal controls and that their financial reporting structure had been compromised. Oh, no. That That cost their stock price. It cost their shareholder value. It cost their employee value. Oh, no. All because of a plus instead of a minus oh man one cell of thousands of cells in this excel model yeah okay so what's my point that's tough (laughs) that's tough yeah yeah so so my point is this you can never be too diligent and i'm very guilty of this honestly i i move really fast I move fast and break things. That's I am the Mark Zuckerberg of the automotive <laughs> world. I will join him as a billionaire soon. In the meantime, I'm just gonna keep breaking things and hopefully fixing them and being profitable <laughs> along the way. But, anyways, it is it is difficult to be fast and be that level of excellence and perfection that I talk about. But you mm-hmm. really you have to strike a balance, but you can never be too careful so long as you're getting things done right so perfectionism can be your ultimate delay
1: yep but you yeah, can also make but,
0: so many mistakes that it buries you
1: right especially when it comes to data keeping like when it
0: comes to when it comes to data or when it comes to you know just typing in data entry
1: no oh, i dude, <laughs> i'll be first to tell anyone i type so fast i screw up everything autocorrect's my best friend i don't have (laughs) autocorrect
0: yeah i I do it raw (laughs) i I think backspace is probably my most used key (laughs) uh definitely looking at my
1: keyboard right now spacebar shift enter
0: (laughs) (laughs) all worn out yeah (laughs) well i think that's all we got for today mistakes are common Mistakes happen. Nobody's perfect. If you own them, you're not going to get your head bit off. If you approach that ownership with confidence that you can solve the problem, you will come out okay.
1: Yeah, shoot. More people respect it rather than you give them the runaround, BS excuse, or a straight exactly. out lie. Exactly. You might so, as well just be upfront. It's maybe it hurts. Oh, yeah. It it actually, hurts. it it will hurt, <laughs> but it'll cry once instead of crying twice because so if you lie or you give them the run around it's gonna hurt a lot worse
0: oh yeah if you get caught that's that's the end yeah but all of this only works if you take the time to figure out why you made the mistake and put something in place so that you don't make it again because that is how you get so damn good that nobody can stop you mm-hmm And that's what I want for everybody listening is that you get so damn good at life that nobody can stop you from accomplishing everything you've ever wanted. I think that sounds pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. And that's also what we do in the driven network. (laughs) (laughs) So it's not even a pitch anymore. This is a free program. This is free to get in for qualified individuals and no, we don't run your credit. All I want to know is are you committed to becoming that better version of yourself? Are you going to join this network and both contribute and take away in order to uplift the entire driven community?
1: Mm -hmm. If the
0: answer is yes, you're in. You get one-on-one access to everybody else in the driven network. You can get on the phone with anybody at any time, including both of us. I think that in and of itself is a goldmine. All, All these calls with Dan... I think I'm a better person for it.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm glad I make you feel that way.
0: (laughs) And we have a private Discord group. We have weekly coaching calls where you can talk about your goals, your wins, your losses, where you're at in your life and get advice on how to get where you want to go faster.
1: Yeah, there's some really cool conversations that happen there, like finding a missing stolen car. That was we, found.
0: Yeah. yeah. There was a found <laughs> oh. stolen car.
1: Or uh wheels going on a Mustang that you know people are conversating about.
0: <laughs> and business and fitness and, and fitness. how hostess yep. is valued at five point six billion dollars and what that means for holy
1: us. cow. Oh, five point six billion dollars.
0: You gotta read the Discord messages, man. <laughs> you can't be having that. <laughs> no, I just it's still shocking. Oh, okay. So you did read the Discord message. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You're just re- re-reacting to it. Yes. It's, okay. it's still ex- right.
1: it's crazy. Yeah. Well, they yeah. have to so, own more than just like Twinkies. Twinkies, right? $5.6 5. Like,
0: $5. billion in Twinkies. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's that whole, it's like a whole half of a grocery store aisle is, is hostess.
1: It's insane.
0: But they got sold, is the point. I forgot who bought uh, them, but somebody bought Hostess for five point six billion. Like,
1: it's probably like Pepsi or something.
0: It was something. something that, yeah. Somebody like that. But the point was, is that okay? There has to be a whole lot of people still buying Ho Hos and Twinkies.
1: I can't for, tell you the last time I had one.
0: But <laughs> but that that make like think about what that means for those of us that are listening to this podcast, that are on this podcast, and that are participating in the betterment of yourself. Holy shit, is it easy to win. You just have to try a little bit. Seriously, just get out there and do a little bit of work and you'll be in that top 10% of society. And then you work a little harder, you'd be in the top five. You work a little harder, you'd be in the top one. You continue to persist and adapt. You continue to make mistakes, own them, make them right, and then learn from them. Oh my God, there's no stopping you. (laughs) It's, um, I'm happy just thinking about it.
1: <laughs> right.
0: So, anything else, Dan?
1: No. All no. right. Join the Discord. Come have fun with us.
0: Yeah, get in there. And that's all we got for today. So thank you for listening. This has been Arun and Dan, and until next time, stay driven. <laughs>